Is civil disobedience ever permitted by God? This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your award-winning OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. How you doing? If you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm glad you found us. If you've been here before, I congratulate you for coming back. You're here because you want to read through the entire Bible in a year. If you've done that before, that's fantastic. But a lot of people never have. This is a way they can get that done. So in any case, thank you for being here. Today our reading is Romans 13 and 14, and I'm calling the episode Facts and Opinions. I'm thinking that this episode might just be, shall we say, controversial. We shall see. Are you ready to dive in? Let's go. Romans chapter 13. All of you must yield to the government rulers. No one rules unless God has given him the power to rule, and no one rules now without that power from God. So those who are against the government are really against what God has commanded, and they will bring punishment on themselves. Those who do right do not have to fear the rulers, only those who do wrong fear them. Do you want to be unafraid of the rulers? Then do what is right, and they will praise you. The ruler is God's servant to help you, but if you do wrong, then be afraid. He has the power to punish. He is God's servant to punish those who do wrong. So you must yield to the government, not only because you might be punished, but because you know it is right. This is also why you pay taxes. Rulers are working for God and give their time to their work. Pay everyone, then, what you owe. If you owe any kind of tax, pay it. Show respect and honor to them all. Do not owe people anything. Except always owe love to each other, because the person who loves others has obeyed all the law. The law says, you must not be guilty of adultery, you must not murder anyone, you must not steal, you must not want to take your neighbor's things. All these commands and all others are really only one rule. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love never hurts a neighbor, so loving is obeying all the law. Do this because we live in an important time. It is now time for you to wake up from your sleep, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost finished, and the day is almost here. So we should stop doing things that belong to darkness and take up the weapons used for fighting in the light. Let us live in a right way, like people who belong to the day. We should not have wild parties or get drunk. There should be no sexual sins of any kind, no fighting or jealousy. But clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and forget about satisfying your sinful self. Romans chapter 14 Accept into your group someone who is weak in faith, and do not argue about opinions. One person believes it is right to eat all kinds of food, but another, who is weak, believes it is right to eat only vegetables. The one who knows that it is right to eat any kind of food must not reject the one who eats only vegetables. And the person who eats only vegetables must not think that the one who eats all foods is wrong, because God has accepted that person. You cannot judge another person's servant. The master decides if the servant is doing well or not, and the Lord's servant will do well because the Lord helps him do well. Some think that one day is more important than another, and others think that every day is the same. Let all be sure in their own mind. 
Those who think one day is more important than other days are doing that for the Lord. And those who eat all kinds of food are doing that for the Lord, and they give thanks to God. Others who refuse to eat some foods do that for the Lord, and they give thanks to God. We do not live or die for ourselves. If we live, we are living for the Lord. And if we die, we are dying for the Lord. So, living or dying, we belong to the Lord. The reason Christ died and rose from the dead to live again was so He would be Lord over both the dead and the living. So why do you judge your brothers or sisters in Christ? And why do you think you are better than they are? We will all stand before God to be judged, because it is written in the Scriptures, As surely as I live, says the Lord, everyone will bow before me, everyone will say that I am God. So each of us will have to answer to God. For that reason, we should stop judging each other. We must make up our minds not to do anything that will make another Christian sin. I am in the Lord Jesus, and I know that there is no food that is wrong to eat. But if a person believes something is wrong, that thing is wrong for them. If you hurt your brother's or sister's faith because of something you eat, you are not really following the way of love. Do not destroy someone's faith by eating food he thinks is wrong, because Christ died for him. Do not allow what you think is good to become what others say is evil. In the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. The important things are living right with God, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anyone who serves Christ by living this way is pleasing God and will be accepted by other people. So let us try to do what makes peace and helps one another. Do not let the eating of food destroy the work of God. All foods are all right to eat. But it is wrong to eat food that causes someone else to sin. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that will cause your brother or sister to sin. Your beliefs about these things should be kept secret between you and God. People are happy if they can do what they think is right without feeling guilty. But those who eat something without being sure it is right are wrong because they did not believe it was right. Anything that is done without believing it is right is a sin. All right. A couple of weeks ago, um, Kyle emailed me and he said, hey, I found your podcast from No Agenda. Thank you for that. And he said, thank you for your courage. And then he continued, um, also, I'm sure you'll cover Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25, but I'm struggling with these verses in light of these times. What are we to do with authorities that contradict each other? In 1 Peter, it says, submit to every authority among men. And where does the Constitution fit in with all of that? Thank you for all you do. And he signed his name, Kyle Sellers. Well, I wasn't quite sure what the question was, uh, so I asked Kyle for some clarification. And he wrote back and he said, well, my thoughts on Romans 13 and 1 Peter. Whenever I hear someone talk about submitting to authority, they say the only way to not submit is if it causes you to sin. And then he continued, I would say in the context of America, part of that authority is the Constitution, and we can't blindly submit. And then he says, and in context of Romans 13 and 1 Peter, what do we do with conflicting and contradictory authorities? In America, there are many authorities, city, county, state, etc. Hypothetically, if the president says we need to wear five masks, but my city says I don't have to wear a mask, which authority do I submit to? I hope this clarifies my question. Well, somewhat, I'm still a little bit unclear on uh, how it all uh, ties in with the Constitution. 
but hopefully as I answer the question, it'll bring you some clarification. Um, if I remember at the end, I'll mention the, the Constitution uh, once again. But anyway, we have another uh, No Agenda producer, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Kyle, for joining in the LifeSpring family. Um, actually, I guess I should have a jingle like they have over there for Rogan donations. But <laughs> again, uh, thanks, thanks, Kyle, for uh, the question. I'm going to tackle your question, even though not everybody may agree with what I'm going to say. I'm going to give you some biblical background on what I'll be saying, and where appropriate, I will give my opinion, and I'll label it as such. Okay? Now, one thing we have to establish up front is that much of, if not all, of these arguments are what I consider to be peripheral issues. In other words, they are not central to our salvation. The bedrock, the things that make or break whether we're born again, are believing that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, that he lived a sinless life, he died for our sins, was resurrected on the third day, and sits at the right hand of the Father and is coming back. We have to admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and we must repent or change direction. In other words, we have to submit our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Just knowing about Jesus is not enough. We must believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That's the bedrock. Without believing those things, without believing that Jesus is Lord, we're not born again. Okay, I think that covers it. Now, everything else is peripheral. What day of the week we worship, whether it's okay to drink alcohol, whether women should be allowed to be priests or pastors, whether music should be allowed in church, whether speaking in tongues is for today, and on and on and on. All of these, while important, are not central to our salvation. Now, as to submitting to governmental authority, or put another way, is it ever okay to not submit? Is civil disobedience ever permitted by God? I'm framing the question this way because if different governmental bodies are in conflict, if you obey one, you must disobey the other by definition, right, if they conflict. And that's what Kyle's question was. So let me try to answer the question, is civil disobedience ever permitted? When Paul wrote the book of Romans under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Nero was the emperor of Rome, and Nero was probably the most immoral emperor Rome ever had. I'm not going to go into his deeds here, but if you don't know about him, look him up. Now, you heard what Paul wrote in Romans 13 today. The first three verses are, all of you must yield to the government rulers. Remember, Nero is emperor right now, and he's saying all of you must yield to the government rulers. No one rules unless God has given him the power to rule, and no one rules now without that power from God. So those who are against the government are really against what God has commanded, and they will bring punishment on themselves. And then Peter says pretty much the same in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. I'm bringing 1 Peter in here because Kyle brought him up in his email. So 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. 
love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So, it seems cut and dry, right? Christians have to do what governmental authorities say. But is it cut and dry? Well, let's talk about three different views on civil disobedience, okay? Number one is the anarchist. An anarchist believes that a person can disobey the government whenever he wants to and whenever he feels justified in doing so. Now, there is no biblical support for this view. The second view on civil disobedience, and that would be that of the extreme patriot. Notice I said extreme patriot. The extreme patriot believes a person should always obey his government, no matter what. This position also has no biblical support. In addition, history does not support this view. For example, in the Nuremberg trials, the Nazi war criminals tried to defend their actions by saying that they were just following orders. <laughs> but one of the judges swatted that argument aside by asking, But gentlemen, is there not a law above our laws? The third view on civil disobedience. This is biblical submission. And one who believes in biblical submission believes that a Christian is allowed to disobey if the government commands evil or requires a Christian to disobey the clear teaching of Scripture. All right, you want some biblical examples of civil disobedience? All right, number one, in Exodus 1, and by the way, I'm, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. These are just some examples. My first example is Exodus 1. Two Hebrew midwives were commanded by the Pharaoh to exterminate all male Jewish babies. Now, an extreme patriot would have carried out that order. But Exodus 1.17 tells us that they, quote, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live, unquote. Now, not only did they not kill the children, they lied to the Pharaoh. In verses 20 and 21, we read, God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. So we can see by God's uh, reaction to their disobedience that God blessed them. Number two, we recently completed reading the book of Joshua. Do you remember in chapter two when Rahab disobeyed a command from the king of Jericho to turn over the Israelite spies? What did she do? She let them escape and she was allowed to live when Joshua and the Israelite army destroyed it. And you might remember me saying that Rahab is actually one of the human ancestors of Jesus. All right, number three. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? In Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar commanded that everyone should bow down to the golden idol. Well, these three fellows refused, and you know what happened, right? They were thrown into an oven, but they were miraculously kept from harm. Number four, in Acts 4, we read of Peter and John's disobedience. Peter had healed a man who was born lame, and both he and the apostle John were thrown in jail for preaching about Jesus. And the religious leaders told them to stop doing that. But Peter said, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then after they were released from jail, they went right back to preaching. And when the religious leaders again confronted them, Peter said, We must obey God rather than men. There are other examples in Scripture, but these show us that we do not have to blindly follow what government bodies decree. So, how do we decide when civil disobedience is allowable? Number one, 
Christians should disobey when the government commands or compels acts of evil. Number two, Christians should disobey when the governmental laws are in direct violation of God's laws and commands. And number three, if a Christian does disobey an evil government and is unable to flee, he should be prepared to accept that government's punishment. And number four, Christians are permitted to and should work to get new leaders installed. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, we're commanded to pray for our leaders as well. It says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made in behalf of all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, all of that, all the foregoing, was, I believe, teaching directly from Scripture. Okay? Now, let me give some of my opinions as they relate to what is happening today. If you disagree with my opinions, I hope that we can agree to disagree. Now, let me say that I am not anti-science. As a matter of fact, I have a degree in biology. I am not scientifically ignorant. Here come the opinions. Mask mandates are evil. Why do I say that? Because they are scientifically proven to be ineffective in stopping the spread of the virus. In addition, they greatly reduce the amount of oxygen a person can breathe in, which raises the levels of carbon dioxide in the blood. And this can be extremely detrimental to a person's health in many different ways. I could go on. There are many, many more reasons why masks are bad. I say it's evil because they're saying that we have to do something to harm our very own bodies. Okay? My body does not belong to me. My body belongs to God. God made it. I cannot, in good conscience, do something that is going to be detrimental to my body. Number two, vaccine mandates are evil. I'm not against some vaccines, but I do not believe the government has the moral authority to tell anyone what they must put into their body. I am absolutely against the current COVID-19 vaccines. Statistics show that they are ineffective in preventing a person from contracting the disease or from spreading it. And as a matter of fact, studies are showing that the Delta variant is flourishing because of the effect on vaccinated people. Also, the number of deaths and injuries is unacceptably high. In some areas, vaccine deaths are higher than COVID deaths. Now, I could go on, but this podcast is not about discussing current events at length. The reason I brought up COVID is because I think Kyle's question, though he didn't say it in his email, related to laws and mandates regarding the disease. Also, I need to say... <coughs> need to say that I am not recommending that you should or should not do any specific action. What I just said about mandates for masks or vaccines is my opinion. What you do in your life is between you and God. If you disagree with me, that's fine. If you agree with me, that's fine. I have family members who I love that disagree with me and some who agree. Those that disagree with me, we agree to disagree agreeably, for the most part. Last point. This one is going to be quick. Kyle asked about what we should do when government agencies disagree. 
Hear this, I'm not a lawyer, so take this for what it's worth. Number one, if one agency's laws or decrees is allowable in light of scriptures and the other's is not, do that which aligns with scripture. Number two, if both agencies align with scripture but they disagree with each other, then I would follow the most local agency. This is sort of a state's rights issue in my opinion. Number three, if neither agency's laws stand the light of Scripture, then obey neither one of them. Again, these are my opinions and not recommendations for any particular action by any particular person. Are we clear on that? These are my opinions. And as of the recording of this episode, October 16th, 2021, the First Amendment still allows me to say what I want. Kyle, I hope this helps, and anybody else who has a question about this topic. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Write to me at steve at lifespringmedia.com, comment at comment.lifespringmedia.com, or comment on the show notes page for this episode. I read every one of your comments, and um, I'm expecting that I'm going to get s- some sort of feedback, positive, negative. I do want to hear from you. Our reading tomorrow is Genesis 24 through 27. I hope you're here. Boost! This day in church history, October 17, 1912. Albino Luciani was born. He was an Italian, no kidding, he was an Italian Catholic cardinal who became Pope John Paul I in 1978. And 34 days later, he died. On this date in church history, 1979, the Nobel Prize was awarded to Mother Teresa. Now, I'm going to try to say her name. Agnes Gonja Boyajiu. That was a little difficult because I don't speak Albanian. She was an Albanian Catholic nun who founded the Society of the Missionaries of Charity and was canonized by the Roman Catholic Church on September 4th, 2016. And by the way, several years ago, like when uh, my youngest son Timothy was about, eh, I'm going to say five or six years old, um, we had some family pictures taken. That uh, was myself and Leanne and my oldest boy, Matthew, my middle son, Stephen, and the youngest son, Timothy. And we went down to Newport Beach and had these pictures taken. And the photographer that we used was also hired by somebody, I believe, to uh, take pictures of Mother Teresa. He had several pictures of her in his studio. So there you go, some other web family trivia. I would love it if you would leave a review for the show at reviews.lifespringmedia.com. Write about what you like the show, what you don't like about the show, why you listen to the show, what it's done for you, something like that. Just doesn't need to be involved, just something quick, uh, just what you get out of the show. Encourage others to listen. That's at reviews.lifespringmedia.com. And I have missed publishing the newsletter the last couple of weeks. Things have been really busy around here, but I do plan to get one out this coming Wednesday. I need to let you know that if you're on that list and have been getting the daily email announcing a new episode, those emails will no longer be coming out. The newsletter will hopefully get back to a regular schedule once a week on Wednesday, but the daily emails have been discontinued. Now, if you'd like to get the weekly newsletter, go to news.lifespringmedia.com and sign up there. The coming week's schedule is in the newsletter, so if you want to read ahead and perhaps do your own study and maybe send a question ahead of time like Kyle did for today's episode, you can do that. 
Plus, there's always a little something extra in there that you don't get on the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com. Email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or comment on the show notes page for this episode. And until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.